to The Anthroposopher, where we bring anthroposophy to life through interviews, conversations, and explorations. I'm Lars Capatucci, your host. In this interview with Harald Hoven, we talk about appreciating the elemental world and the vitality in it. Harald's been working with farmers and gardeners for most of his life, and his perspective is so enriching and enlightening, especially at this time of year in the U.S. where we're thinking about planting and gardening and many things are blooming all around us. I hope you enjoy. Hi, Harold. It's so nice to see you. <laughs> Hello, Laura. Good to see you. And uh, we're, we're not too far away from each other here in Northern California, but of course, we're apart right now. Um, and I'm in my office and I'm looking out. I have some chickens in my backyard um, and they're doing some nice things to the soil back there. But um, you know all about soil, you know, all about farming. And I'm really just delighted to have you here as we approach um, the spring equinox and uh, to talk about uh, biodynamics, talk about supporting elementals, talk about the work that you do, um, supporting farmers and your teaching. Um, and I, I just remember, you know, meeting you at Rudolph Center College, I don't know, five or six years ago. And uh, the, the apprentices that you worked with that worked um, at that farm at that time, uh, you could just tell how much they were learning and taking in and really like you as their teacher, um, the seriousness of the work and also the levity and the fun there too. Um, just so much. So thanks for being on the Anthroposopher today. Great pleasure. <laughs> so um, maybe we can start with, you know, just a little bit about um, some of the work you do. And maybe, I guess if you were, you know, working on a farm right now and it's spring, you know, what, what would be some of the things you would be doing? Because I know listeners are probably interested in that for their own gardens and farms and yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. So it's the special season where we all get excited uh, to get out again. And I, by the way, I, I have a home garden too now. And so I do that at home right now too. And that is really to go into the earth that is the foundation for all life for us and see how the conditions are getting ready to support new life, new plant life, and really uh, prepare the ground. And it's always interesting when you do this in a certain way, we are reminded back in, in evolution where we for the first time began to work the earth because that's still fairly new and there was a time when the earth was holy and one wouldn't go into the earth but then there was a time in, in actually in Persian uh, ancient Persian uh, epoch where human beings then pierced the earth and in a way let the light into the earth and through this then allowed for great abundance and in a way every farmer every gardener should re should be reminded of this where this is coming from so that we are also in a line of evolution but we we do this it's like the children in the school go through the different epochs so it's very nice to do this just work the earth be careful that it's not too wet or too dry that we can actually work it that's a really lovely thing to remember. And I, I think I saw a little note I, I took at a workshop, um, maybe at a biodynamic conference with you, that was like, every time, every time you approach the earth or you, or you go to work with it, 
you know, you're in a relationship or there's some sort of ritual there too, to pay attention to. Can you say a little bit more about that? You know. Yes. So we are always as hardworking gardeners or farmers, we expect the reward. And yet at the same time, we have to realize that it's not just for granted to take it for granted, but rather that we are working also with the unknown, with the unseen uh, helpers. And this uh, developing a relationship is very important. So just talking about elemental beings, uh, uh, for, for my work, what was important is we would plant. We would do everything right as well as we could. And then would come the time for harvest. But then before we would go or just every, anybody would go and help themselves to something from a new bed, we would go there together and we would admire, we would admire really what was growing there and then become aware of what all went into it. And this fact and admire and but also observe, really see that these things that later would be eaten or dried for herbs, that they would be recognized. And I felt that was an important part of giving thanks and being in right relationship. Because as human beings, no matter what you do, you're always taking. We can't help it because we can't quite give, but we can give our attention and our appreciation. But in terms of um, physically, we can't quite give back. So that was always very important for me. So talking about this approach. And so also another step could be that before you do things, you could even ask, may I? <laughs> may I do this and to try to be in more of a special relationship with elemental beings. Mm, I, I love that permission asking. We just, I mean, it's interesting. I can feel we, we had so many blackberries and, you know, in California, there's this, we could talk about fire elementals, but mm -hmm. there's this fire hazard here. And so yes. they were overgrown. And so we had them, you know, there's really nothing we could do. We, took them down all the way to the ground. We had people come and do it with machinery. And before I, I did that, I don't even know if this is the right thing to do, but I learned this from one of your apprentices. She didn't tell me to do this. She was doing it for something different, like for a harvest. But I went out with a smoker and I like smoked uh -huh. the area yes. and just said, you know, there's, there's a change coming, you know, mm -hmm. just to let the insects mm -hmm. know. And and definitely mm. the rats, because there are always rats and blackberries. <laughs> <laughs> Let the plants know too, right. you know? Right. And um, so I just tried to give a little like warning in that mm -hmm. way. Um, and so like working with these different elements of, uh, like it, I didn't want to just like tell them. I was like, you know, I, I learned the, you know, like smoke can be a symbol and, and different mm -hmm. things can be a warning, mm -hmm. but. But so we have this area now where the blackberries are all done and I'm planting it, but I don't think I've really asked permission. So I feel like I need to go back there and I've been checking on the plants and trying to connect with them. But um, there was, I think I missed a step in there uh, to talk to that earth, you know, a little bit. Yes. yes, but you can still do that. But also if you don't ask, you can at least tell. <laughs> you yeah. can at least tell, you can say, I'm going to do this. And so they know and you don't just go, you know, without, without communication. So that can still be communication. And if it has to be, and it had to be, 
So um, I think that's fine too. And you don't have to say everything aloud <laughs> and even just be in the mood and being in the reverence and, and having that mood while you do it and, and be aware of you're changing something, then that you're more aligned than if you just do it. Yeah, that's so good. It's funny because yesterday I had my shovel and I was um, digging, but I was talking to my friend on the phone and I was like, I was like, ah, this doesn't feel right. Like I gotta like get off the phone. Like I'm, I'm going to work with plants right now. And so then I did. And then I went back and I planted it. It felt much better. But I do yeah. remember, Harold, like groups of people standing around different beds in, in these big, beautiful gardens with you and like mm -hmm. just standing there, just looking right. and, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and, you know, observing, as you said. Um, so how, how did you, uh, one of the things I, I ask people actually, and mm -hmm. I didn't ask you right away is, how did you meet anthroposophy? How did you meet biodynamics? Was it like you met biodynamics and then anthroposophy? Like, what was your, how did this happen for you? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I was a good anarchist in my youth. And so this is not exactly the same. <laughs> and materialistically, I uh, grew up materialistically, of course. And so these, this other stuff for me was something, well, you know, we had a, a perfect world, you know, then you could look at things like anthroposophy, but uh, in current conditions, I can't. Uh, when I began my apprenticeship, we, we studied, of course, the agriculture course, and that was hard, but I was eager to, to learn it, and I knew I wanted to do it. But then also, I was lucky enough that the farmer I apprenticed with, that he was interested in social issues, and we studied uh, threefold uh, the threefold order. And for me, that was when I read this, I thought, wow, Udo Steiner was not just somewhere out there, but he was concerned about real things in the world. And that was an opening for me. And then, of course, through my work and being in the right places, I was helped to, to deepen my work. So I did my apprenticeship. One place was actually an anthroposophical psychiatric hospital. And I did an apprenticeship there. That's also where I later met Cynthia, uh, my wife. And I had a lot of good stimulation there. And then I continued and then coming here to Rostiner College, of course I had a, a good stimulation. So that was all helpful to find my way. And, but from my particular angle too, from my particular angle being very active in the earth to understand anthroposophy. Such a... Um interesting road to go from having these social questions and this you know anarchy kind of background this anarchist kind of take on life and then thinking oh that stuff that like spiritual stuff is like over there but then reading you know that the the Rudolf Steiner having created a lot so much of this I cared about that too that click mm -hmm, that right, happened right right so beautiful and always mm -hmm. this like I see in you just this always active living energy mm -hmm, constantly mm -hmm, constantly mm -hmm. there so nice hmm okay so that path makes a lot of sense so um where was that where was that hospital I didn't know about that uh, in in the southern uh, black forest in Germany uh, close to Freiburg yeah Great. Right. Yeah, I was lucky. Wow. That's really an amazing experience. It just shows you, you know, these apprenticeships and, and things like that are so important for people to have because oh, yeah. it brings them to their destiny paths, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So so now 
so now um, you are offering these webinars online with international audiences, which is amazing. One of the, the gifts of this um, time in the pandemic, um, as I think, mm -hmm. you know, the world has gotten smaller and more connected and definitely people connected to anthroposophy are more connected mm -hmm. to each other, I think, than ever. Um, so what are you talking about in in these webinars? What? Okay, yes. So it's actually, it's a, a series on, um, on Rudolf Steiner's agricultural lectures. And he gave eight lectures and I do two sessions per lecture. And in the very beginning, I realized for some people it's going to be hard. Rudolf Steiner made uh, requirements for the attendees of the agricultural lectures that they would have read at least occult science and theosophy. Now, very few of the farmers will have done this. So was I even, is it even correct to give people the agricultural course if they haven't done this? And so I began, but then I invited Cynthia, my wife, who has done a lot of teaching, also a general anthroposophy up here at Rudolf Steiner College back then, uh, to also uh, help a little bit. And afterwards, um, because he is much more eloquent in uh, describing anthroposophy. And then uh, afterwards we talked and we said, well, maybe people need more. And so we put a poll in, in our next session and said, would you be interested maybe in doing some more background study? And so now she has a webinar with more than 200 people uh, in maybe a good part of those came from my course and other from her other webinars who were interested in human and cosmic evolution. <laughs> so it's amazing how this goes. There's such a hunger right now, but also these people who somehow stumbled across uh, biodynamics and didn't quite know, but found it interesting. And I'll say, okay, I'll learn a little more, see where it's coming from. It's most beautiful. So there are people both here, of course, from the United States, but then also Asia, where I have done some work, and where I worked in China and Taiwan and other friends in, in Nepal. And, and then a lot of Malaysians. I've met some Malaysians in my work before in, in China. And so there's a lot of people who need help with the agricultural lectures. And over my 40 years of uh, study, uh, yeah, now I can offer something. So it's very rewarding for me since I'm not uh, that much active out, outwardly any longer. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I definitely need help with those agriculture lectures. They're... <laughs> <laughs> Even if you've read those other books, they're still like, it's a, what? how nice to have a guide, like someone to, mm -hmm. to walk you through. I'm so glad you're, mm -hmm. you're doing mm -hmm. that. Um, what has anything surprised you while you've been teaching it? Like, well, I have quite a range of people, and so, and in the beginning, I was going to be very strict and German, sort of how it had to be done. <laughs> and then I realized, well, you know, people will be touched one way or another. I just don't, didn't want to be held back too much that I could go forward. And sometimes in very, very basic questions, somebody, who knows, maybe somebody said, I think it would be good for that person to do this and uh, for a friend or who knows what. So not, not, there was not full understanding of, um, or maybe readiness, but um, I'm glad about the community too. And that is that some people are quick, you know, with chats, which is not, so people are quick and just while we are 
I make a presentation. Sometimes we have breakout, but then at the end there is almost half an hour time for questions and answers. And some friends are helping them too. They just quickly type something in. And, uh, and of course you want that community to develop. And I've noticed too, when, when we had breakouts, people were so happy. So somebody said, you know, my group, we were all Pacific Rim, you know, from Vancouver Island to Malaysia or whatever. And uh, so just disconnecting. That was, uh, I hadn't quite expected it. I wanted to just study with a few people and then that wasn't possible uh, to do it directly uh, here in the Sacramento area. And so that's what came of it. Nice. Yeah. yeah, so the, the surprise of, I mean, this surprises me too about how, well, first of all, they all start to teach each other, no matter if mm -hmm. you're the teacher or not, they mm -hmm. all start to mm -hmm. teach each other, which is so beautiful to see. And then this, this, just this heart um, feeling when people are like in those breakout rooms and they come out and they've had mm -hmm. this thing happen. It's really, really incredible. Um, and I wonder what it'll do for us when we all come back together, you know? <laughs> how that'll be um so we have this one day conference coming up on supporting elemental beings that'll be in may 2021 um but and it's online of course um mm -hmm. at this point but so i've i've heard some things about um you know asking permission and connecting and um that's that's really helpful I guess I'm just starting to understand these um, ideas of like water and undines and fire and gnomes and, and all these things and, and the way that they're framed. I read this little book by Marjorie Spock. It's mm -hmm. called um, Fairy Lands and Workers or something mm -hmm. like that. It's almost mm -hmm. like a children's book, but she's so precise and clear. And so now I, I'm trying to just um, be more open to that perception so I guess, how is it for you? Like, because you've done this so, for so long, like when you walk out, so if you stepped onto my property and you saw this place where all the blackberries were cut down, for example, or, you know, what is your sense? Like, how do you perceive things? Like, what, what's that like for you? Mm, yeah, so I definitely don't see elemental beings. Mm -hmm. But early on when I came here also, so the position I've worked with this, uh, when we, when I grew medicinal herbs uh, for this uh, Raphael therapy center, I learned about the elemental beings and in a certain way that they feel neglected mm. and that they um, feel we're just, you know, using everything that they have helped to produce so to, to come into being, but we don't show any, uh, any interest. Mm. And so this interest of feeling maybe more what. What are the conditions? And so that means, what is the environment? How is the air element here in relationship to the water, to the earth and the fire? And what can you see in the landscape? And maybe trying to create also spaces where you have the elements present. Um, that, that is helpful. And then to see too, uh, maybe you are in a wet area and then just watch the vegetation. Right now here next to us in the forest, there's all these um, uh, minus lettuce. And they first came little and now they have these rounded, totally rounded leaves. And this is our rainy season. yeah. And you see sort of the watery element so strong in them. 
uh, and just to pay attention, to pay attention what's around and see how can I see the elements in, in these places. Or when you go in the rocky mountain, when you go to the rocky area in the mountains and just to see this pure mineral substance and you can almost, you can start to, well, try to feel your way into this. What is this, this mineral around that is so hard and yet there is, of course, it's all inha inhabited by elemental beings. And I feel that over time I've, I've become much more awake to this. And or then you go and you watch the birds and just see what is it actually if somebody doesn't live on the ground and is just uh, working with gravity, but is all the time in this levity, but so sanguinic in a certain way. Um, it's very beautiful to see even in the different kind of birds and how they move around and I, that helps me and just basically to pay attention. And, but I couldn't say that I have discovered particular things, uh, but I am with it, I am with it. And I'm going with these elements and trying to take that in so that somebody is there too who does that. Mm. <laughs> yeah, take in what comes from it. And anybody can do that. Yeah. Well, it's really beautiful the way you're talking about it. I actually felt like a little emotional because I, I just feel like, you know, we can be trapped <laughs> by our own doing at our desks and our computers, which also carry elemental beings. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, even our desk, like everything, right? It's everywhere. But yeah. just to, <laughs> so I, I think of like the little hill I have on my property and there is water. My dad, he was here, he created a little swale so the water mm -hmm. wouldn't come straight down our hill. Mm -hmm. And so it flows on this thing, but it's, it's a shift. It's a shift in presence. Like mm -hmm. it's a presence with what's around you rather yes. than what's just in your head. Right. So like yes. you have to come out of yourself in a way or yes. maybe into. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I think it's like a coming out of yourself. Is, and you yes. just do that, right? Yeah, go ahead. Yes. And it's a, it's a meeting. So it, it becomes a meeting. And even if you don't know it, even if you don't know it, it's still a meeting because you're going out and you're meeting what is there and you're not having a fantasy, but rather you are really and you're observing and you, you somehow unite with it. And in this, then there's the possibility for also conscious meeting eventually. There's some people who have that naturally and most of us don't, but even just to keep this in our presence that there is more and that that wants us to be there too is already a great help yeah that's good i i would love to be able to to turn that switch a little to shut my head off and you know bring that presence in there i think i'm getting better the more uh, so i was actually talking to someone the other day and they said in one of their classes one of the activities they had was to um, go to the same spot every day in nature for like a month or something and like have a little mm -hmm. journal, write something down. And so mm -hmm. I've been trying to do that. And mm -hmm. um, just this week, I sort of felt like the area I was in was sort of like, oh, you're, you're showing up every day. Like it, it like sort of noticed like, okay. And then an opening happens. There's like a, like a little right. commitment you know, mm -hmm. to, to be there. Um, yes. 
that is received then in, in some way. Yes. I don't, I don't always have yes. words for this. I'm trying mm-hmm. to find words, but mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. Yeah. And we would have that too in the morning when we would meet in the garden, the apprentices and I, we would, we would start with a count of the soul. And you could almost imagine that the elemental beings who are hungry in the morning who will be there for us and with us because there is something that's getting built. And then constantly the care, and there is definitely care and that makes a difference. And so I could feel too that was, it was becoming more and more alive. Mm. Calendar of the soul is so good in case people don't know what it is. It's it's a weekly verse that's based on the, the seasons, really. And so what a nice thing to start with in a garden. You know, I had this other observation today too, because I, I would I go up to this one tree and sit there with this tree. And um I think in the beginning I was very serious. Like I would go mm. up and I was like, I'm mm. gonna be here in, <laughs> in nature. And then something yesterday I was like. I just felt like had this like joyful feeling and um, cause I'd really try to like bring, you know, I'd be doing like my meditation and saying my verse in my head and sitting under this tree. Like, I think I was trying to like do too many things at once and still like two in my head. So um, there's something in, for me, I think in a little bit of, it is serious. It is, mm-hmm. there's something, uh, maybe it's, there's depth, right? Maybe it's not serious. It's probably the wrong word. There's like this, um, weight in this encounter that because it, it has an importance to it, but mm-hmm. there's also the joy, like you're talking about with the birds, the joy in the encounter too, that, that is they're both meant to be carried. I don't know. That's mm-hmm. my impression. Mm-hmm. But. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Can you talk about seeds a little bit? Cause I know seeds. you have a passion for seeds. Oh yeah. boy. Yes. Right. Right. Yes. So in biodynamics, one of the idea is, a very important idea is to create the farm or even a garden as much as possible as self-supporting. And that means that we create something that is authentic. And that is not where you just put all the materials sort of from outside materials. I get my fertilizer here. I get my, my little, you know, maybe animals here. I raise them, I eat them and I get new ones. And then I buy all the things, but rather that we create something that belongs together. And so I was lucky enough to have some uh, seed saving during my apprenticeship in Germany. And so I started saving seeds and then seeing, understanding also the concept that Rudolf Steiner used uh, in the agricultural lectures when he gave them, he talked about the farm, he, he, he called it the agriculture individuality. And I thought, wow, wait a moment, individuality, piece of land. Sorry, this is something that we have. (laughs) But how is something so individualized, so specific? And then I realized what I had been doing in the beginning, building the garden and bringing in the very beginning a lot of compost in and so on. um, That was sort of medicine for the land that was not whole, that needed medicine because it wasn't whole yet. And that over time, I needed less and less of that. So that was one end that was sort of, if you will, the motherly part, <laughs> the foundation. But then on the other hand, you have the cosmic or the, the fatherly part, and that's the seed. So the plant grows and at the very end and the seed develops and that seed belongs where it came from because 
that that those were the conditions it grew in, and so it will be perfect for that place and not halfway around the world. And so then I uh, it became serious work for me to do this individualization of the land, both through making compost and growing seed. And then with the seed, of course, also having varieties that the farmer can use or gardener can use uh, that are not hybrids where you have to throw them away or you just don't have anything viable that you could readily reuse because they split up into the different parental lines. So that was very satisfying work for me. And I was actually a great contributor of turtle tree seed, which is in New York state. And I um, maybe a fifth of the seed came from Rafa Garden. Uh, yeah, that was very good work. And I still am glad I trained so many apprentices and it's being carried on. And when I do my consultation work, I also help farmers to include that in their work. So it's uh, really to, it's, it's magical to work with the seeds because you have on the one hand this kernel, which you can hardly see. And then, and then you put this in the ground and, and Mother Earth receives it. And now it sprouts and it becomes, if you, if you will, periphery, which was point before. And just to live then with this, and then with this, of course, also see the interplay that it's not alone. You need either at least the wind or you need the insects that help, that are sort of the, um, well, uh, the helpers in allowing this to happen. Most beautiful work. But you have to learn a bit about it and that you don't do anything. Um, not just growing seeds from one plant and thinking you can go do that forever. Yeah, that was very, that was great work. I still do some. <laughs> That's nice. I, I, do you have a favorite seed? Well, I did a lot of lettuce. It was easy and, um, yeah, no, there's too many. <laughs> <laughs> I did some, I did some breeding too with some uh, lettuce and squash and tomatoes and, yeah, no. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Well, lettuce seeds are so tiny, aren't they? Teeny right, tiny. right. Yes, yeah. yes. So it's, but this, 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 this thought too that everything is in there, that it is almost the thought of what later then becomes, yeah, sort of being in the right condition then becomes. <laughs> mm. But it's otherwise it can just rest. And that's different from us, sort of, we need continuous flow. You know, we have this incubation and immediately nine months later, we have a little one, but with the seeds, they, you could put them away and maybe wait a few years. And that's very important too, that the vitality of biodynamic seeds is so much greater than what is otherwise done today. So these seeds could possibly last 10 years or so or longer. And today, many seeds, two, three years, and they're finished. Yeah. It's yeah. fascinating. Yeah, that seems yeah. strange to me because I know I'll get packets of seeds and I'll like forget, even organic seeds, I'll forget. And then I'll put them in and nothing will happen. I'll be like, what? They don't work anymore? Like what happens, you know? But yes. uh, but some seeds, yeah, like I, I actually have some seeds from um, Raphael Garden right now. Mm -hmm. uh, I have some mm -hmm. sunflower seeds, I think. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. um, I, from one of your apprentices, actually, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I can't wait to, to experience that vitality in there. Hmm. Yeah. 
So there's something about how much the vitality remains altogether. And that um, through the practices in agricultural practices, that the vitality has gone way down. We know about human fertility, the problems we have with that by now, but it is similar in agriculture or in our agriculture animal, in, in our farm animals, that that vitality or fertility has gone down. And so when you work with the real world, with compost, with preparations, then you help to keep that vitality in place. Uh, you're blowing my mind with the whole fertility thing and in humans and in yeah, that's that's really amazing. It's that life force. Um, and when you, I don't know for me, when I feel like I'm not working with life forces, which I experience in nature and in like living food and in you know like the closer you get to the source there there seems to be more life there for me but as humans i mean we just keep getting further and further and further mm -hmm. away mm -hmm. so it makes sense mm -hmm. that it would affect the fertility and the life force we're able to produce then from ourselves right wow. right right yes that's yes. amazing thanks yeah. for saying all that but you see also with that comes the question is how are we able in the food to absorb what is good for us and the vitality? Do we get the vitality that is around? Is there really good vitality? And the same for the plants. Are they able to look further, you know, that they're not just almost force fed something that's not very good for them, that they find the minerals in the soil, the water and so on, that they are more active. That means also sense wise, they are more active to really find what they need. And, and you have such plants then, when you can eat such plants, you get something different that are more alive, but also sense-wise actually more alive in finding what they need, particularly with the roots. It's very different. <clears throat> huh, I see what you're saying, that they have an, it's not like an awakeness, but like a well, I don't know. Maybe I don't yeah. know the right word. Yeah, maybe it is. It is. It's like, oh, I have to stretch over here to get this. What I need more. Mm -hmm. There's like a, I, I have mm -hmm. to say the best, and I still remember this in my mouth, the best basil I ever had in my life. Like I was like an explosion in my mouth was from, from your, your apprentices in your farm, mm -hmm. Raphael garden. Mm -hmm. I mean, just, mm -hmm. wow. I, I've never tasted anything like that before. There was just so much in it. Like, mm -hmm. There was something, there's something in it that I had not really had in food um, for, I don't know. I don't remember having that in food. So mm -hmm. um, yeah, something so living. Mm. And of course, it's not just about taste, you know, but there was something mm -hmm. in there that was different. Yeah. Mm. Can you talk about preps a little? Because I know you mm -hmm. create preps, which now I'm, mm -hmm. I didn't know you were creating them specifically for Northern California too. Well, so. actually, I, I I've been doing this from <laughs> for a few decades as a, as an activity of BDENC Biodynamic Association of Northern California. We make preparations together. I teach people, and um, but I take care of them. And so now I grow also the herbs for the preparations here at home in part. And so these are special substances that are used homeopathically but that also works through the season. So for instance, cow manure, ideally from the cow that you have <laughs> um, and put in a cow horn and ferment it in the earth during the winter months. 
And so you have to get the picture sort of of this growth, this vitality on the pasture, and then the cow that eats it, and in its marvelous digestion, uh, works with it so well, but then keeping this vitality that comes out as manure, putting it into the horn, which is actually a wonderful organ, if you will, to reflect back the forces in the cow of digestion, that it doesn't lose these forces, enclose it in there and have it in the seasons now in the earth. In the summer, you have all this grass growing. Well, here in California, it's different. We have it in the winter too, but in other areas. So you have this vitality in the, in the, in the summer, spring to fall. And then when the earth now starts breathing in, then at that point you put this manure in the, in the horn, in the earth, and leave it in there for the winter months, being getting enriched by the vitality that has gone back from the earth, from above ground into the earth and receiving more of that vitality and being sort of preserved, uh, but not entirely changed, not just into compost. So what then what you take out in spring is something very changed, full of vitality, full, full of vitality. And that then we spray that, we stir it for one hour and then spray it over the land. And this gives extra vitality also in places where we don't have enough compost to still do something for the earth. Um, this, by the way, is also important for the, for the elemental beings. I feel when we spray, say particularly the horn manure preparation, we are, we're doing something for, for the gnomes. <clears throat> um, and then we use a silica spray that's more for the above ground. We, we take crystal, smash it, make it into fine powder, put that into a horn, bury that for the summer months. And then we use it just a pea-sized amount or so, quarter teaspoon per acre, stir it in water for an hour and spray it over the growing plants. And this in a way allows um, the, the light to go through this very fine silica um, lens. <laughs> and so the plants get a different vitality uh, in a way they deal better with the intake of the light. It's almost digested too in a certain way. <laughs> Interesting, when you take out that horn and in the fall and you smell it, the silica itself that is in there, the ground quartz, has a different, it's different than just mineral. <laughs> it is mm. like digested. Anyway, we need, need very little of it and spray this over the plants. And that in part then brings on sweetness, flavor, strength uh, to get less attacked by, by uh, insects and so on. And so th these are the two spray preparations. And then we have six herbal preparations Again, with fermentation in the fall, uh, burying for the winter and the earth, and then using maybe teaspoon amount of the six different or five different uh, herbs in the compost pile and valerian flower juice over it. And this is powerful medicine that helps the plants actually to be more sensitive. What mm -hmm. I talked about, yeah. So this mm -hmm. finer sense, so that there's something astral in there sentient in there that helps the plants to find what they need. 
it strengthens to this. Mm. Yeah. That's yeah. really beautiful mm-hmm. picture of the circle and connection. Right. And yeah, you know, I was always struck by, you know, the plants, they can't get up and walk around and get what they need. So they have to do it from where they are. And how mm-hmm. can we help with that? Especially if where they are is damaged by us or neglected mm-hmm. or, you know, there's a mine on my property. So like, mm-hmm. you know, we have that left over here, but yes. To, yes. to repair in a way. So, yeah. okay. So preps, and then you, you can also um, come to farms and consult with people, um, mm-hmm. mostly mm-hmm. farms. People could have you come, I guess, mm-hmm. if they're doing some serious mm-hmm. gardening too, which you would not find here yet. Carl, not happening here on my property. Okay. Yet, but... <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. No, we'd still uh-huh. like to have you over, but, um, yeah. but you do, you do that as well. So you help. You help yes. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And I do mentor some farmer, like this one apprentice. Uh, <laughs> yes. You talked about, so I do mentor previous apprentices and others, and but also farmers, maybe kind of a mix of, consulting for the farm but also helping the farmers then to be just strong in their work yeah that's great well i i'm just gonna take these perspectives with me out into my my yard and my my property um today and that just how you so beautifully talked about connecting and and just being with what's there and Mm -hmm. um I think if we all do that, you know, we have the, we can have an appreciation and more of an understanding. Um, and boy, it seems like we need that right now. So, yes. yeah. Yeah. It's been so great talking with you. Thanks for taking some time out of your, yes. I think when we were scheduling this, you were like, okay, well, let's see, is it going to rain that day? Um, I was like, okay, spoken <laughs> like a true farmer. How <laughs> will the yes. weather be on the day we're going to record this podcast? <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. Is there, is there anything you wanted to say that you didn't get to share today? Well, just uh, for anybody, just go out and then look, you know, and um, but don't ask for too much, uh, but rather see also, can you give? Can you give when you look? That makes a difference. Yeah, so because that's what we can. And we're the only ones who can do that. Yeah, we can't give, we can't, we can't give physically, you know, uh, like, like the others do, but rather um, through our understanding, we give. And so, yeah, I encourage you all to <laughs> try to do that. Give something to nature. What a beautiful thing to end on. Thanks so much, Harold. And it's yeah. nice talking to you. And hopefully I'll see you soon. Pleasure. Very good. Okay. Goodbye. Thanks for joining us today on The Anthroposopher. Stay tuned for our next episode.